Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my Living the Sky Life Facebook page or Instagram account. And let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. Thanks again for tuning in for season two of Living the Sky Life. I always love and greatly appreciate former guests that uh, reach out to me and forward to me names of other parents or caregivers or educators, anyone at all that they think might um, have a great story to tell and be an excellent guest to share their story on my podcast. So if any of you listening have anyone in mind or yourself um, would like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to me on social media, either my Instagram or Facebook page, Living the Sky Life, um, and let me know. I'm always looking for people to talk to. We have so many stories, and each of our stories are unique. People tell me sometimes, I don't think my story is um, you know, severe enough, or um, you know, we don't seem to have it as bad as other people, so why would anyone want to listen to my story? Um, that is crazy. There is no level of severity that warrants being talked about. Um, we all have unique experiences, and even as parents, we have unique backgrounds, and I'd love to dive into some of that. So please reach out to me. I'm always looking for guests. So um, to get started with today's episode, my guest today, uh, as I mentioned, was a referral, and I'm so excited because she is a phenomenal woman, and I'm glad that we are now friends and acquaintances Um, Teresa DeMarco is a wife, mother, and now a gift shop owner. She began her special education journey with her middle son, Sean, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of four. Sean is now almost 23 years old. Navigating school, IEPs, and the transition into adult services, Teresa finds herself championing entrepreneurship and what this path has meant for her young adult son. So please enjoy my conversation with Teresa DeMarco. So today's guest on the podcast is Teresa DeMarco. Teresa and I were introduced actually by another guest I had on, um, and they are friends with each other. So I'm always loving the referrals and like (laughs) to meet more people. So Teresa, welcome to Living the Sky Life. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. Absolutely. I... Uh, as I said, I always am excited to meet new people and especially um, people with kids that are close to my son Skylar's age. And you're actually ahead of me. Uh, you've been through some things before I have um, with your son, Sean, who is almost 23 at, at this present time. I think in two weeks, you said he'll be 23. He's oh reminding gosh. us every day that his birthday's coming. Yes. <laughs> Is that something he enjoys celebrating? Exactly. I think once the ball dropped, he just said, you know what this means? My birthday's in a few weeks. So does he have a countdown for it? Like does we have a countdown? Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, I know I'm asking you to um, go back many years um, to talk a little bit about the early diagnosis for Sean. Um, It's something I know we never forget. So I'm sure (laughs) none of the details have lost your, have, have escaped your mind, but could you yeah. talk a little bit about the diagnosis of autism for Sean back in, gosh, he was four. So what year would that have been? So <laughs> I can't that math. was about, right. I think that was about 2002. Uh, so oh he was gosh, born, yeah. in, right, born in 98 to so 2002 was his official uh, diagnosis at age four. That was when we were referred to the neurologist and, you know, had the whole um, 
psychological done um, up and up from really birth to four was really a very um, kind of tough time for us. I had had uh, my eldest son, Nicholas, and Sean uh, came about 18 months later. And then 11 months after that was where uh, Christian came. And I know we'll talk about that in a bit, but um, Sean was sick. Sean was sick from his first birthday on. He was plagued with constant fevers, um, you know, ears would be clear, nose would be clear. It was always somehow in the sinuses. We went for several CAT scans. Um, and I would, I would, each time he would, you know, not be well, I feel like we lost him just a little bit more. And so I'd go to the pediatrician explaining what I was witnessing, having had other children. And I was always told, well, kids get sick and, and you know, that kind of thing. And we were just put on constant antibiotics until finally I said, something is not right. And uh, we thankfully were able to see an ear, nose, throat specialist who, you know, looked at Sean's tonsils and realized that, that those were um, really uh, quite congested and had to be removed. The fevers went away after that, but Sean had lost a, a tremendous amount of, um, you know, cognitive ability and language and just engagement with us. Um, so it was a very long couple of couple of months, couple of years, really, until he was better. And I'll put that in quotes. You know, he wasn't getting sick as much, but um, what was left behind was, you know, not the child that we had started started off with. I've never really heard a lot about the correlation between, I've talked to a lot of parents whose children have had ear infections when they were young, repeatedly. Um, Skylar never had any, he never had tubes or any of that. Um, so did that, has anyone ever said that that affects some of the, um, the milestones and just the like cognition, like you said, and um, just the growth in general when you're constantly plagued with illness and on antibiotics, can that? Right. I mean, there's, I, gosh, there's such a, there's a ton of research that I used to do, um, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day, certainly to be on antibiotics for that extended period of time, um, you know, erodes the gut a lot. Yes. Um, and there's, then there's that whole leaky gut with the, you know, particles sort of, getting through and, and there's that gut brain connection. So there's certainly a lot of research that is around that. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the fact that he was uh, getting all of this congestion, and I'll, again, putting that in quotes, you know, that that's an indication that there's some inflammation somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there's, you know, my, my, gosh, it's been so long, but the research mm -hmm. basically was that, that any kind of inflammatory response always has, you know, an effect um, really on, on the development, just very in general. And that actually is very uh, important to note. Sean was, was not originally diagnosed with autism. He was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder, which yeah. is no longer a, a thing, but it really was a very accurate description because he, there, were, there were delays in each of the areas of growth, cognition, socializing, language. Um, I, just as my mom got, um, he was never well enough to learn during the years, those formative years that young children are learning, exploring, crawling, touching, tasting. Um, he was, he, I carried him everywhere. He was just, he just did not ever feel well. Um, and I think that also has as a residual effect, right? So. 
it's so not very medical explanation, but no, um, I mean, we don't know. Um, no one ever really knows. I just, the mom gut, you know, we know yeah. <laughs> when something yes. is different, especially having Nicholas first and seeing yes. the differences between, and then having, um, Christian after, you yeah. know, obviously yeah. it, it can highlight for you some of the significant differences that there were with Sean. Um, so you had and, mentioned and, to me, oh, sorry, go ahead. I would say, Lori, and for us really not having any knowledge base, I think what stood out the most aside from being sick all the time was he just, the gross motor was really the first indicator that we were delayed. So Sean did not really crawl. Um, so when I had Christian, when Christian was born, Sean was 11 months. He was still lying on his back. He was not sitting up. Mm -hmm. um, I think the last quote unquote milestone he, he met was holding his head up. And that was what, like, you know, three, four months. Um, so for us, it was always, oh gosh, you know, physically he's kind of low toned. All right. So he'll, he'll be kind of a floppy, you know, kind of, kind of kid. It wasn't really until, um, like I said, that language and that, that sort of, um, you know, disconnectedness uh, really start to show up for him closer to his like three, four year old that we knew we had to investigate a bit more. So did you guys add the traditional therapies that most of us do, the OT and the PT and oh any of that stuff? Yes. Or so, Yeah. So we were very, I mean, we, we got to PT right away. Uh, for us, we were very interested in, in that gluten-free, casein-free diet. We started, mm -hmm. um, pretty immediately with that back in the, the day when we were doing our reading and research that felt like something that, that my husband and I could do that was constructive, that we could, you know, try to uh, not so much affect a change, but maybe alleviate a little, a little pressure. And I'm putting that in quotes too, like whatever that meant, right? It just felt like we could put our energy towards something um, for him. And that really, of, of lots of the therapies that, this, that we did with him through the years, I feel was a big, had a big impact on him. I don't have any, I can't tell you anything with data, but anecdotally, yeah. um, for sure, there was a difference once we started removing some of that heavy wheat, the heavy dairy, uh, he just seemed a little clearer to us. Um, and then of course we went through the whole Dan protocol. That was a big thing, you know, gosh, the B12 shots and all the yep. biomed and the gut stuff and we were packing pills. Oh gosh. Uh, you know, in, in fact, when Sean was, um, I want to say six or seven, we got really into the whole gut and the, the leaky gut. And I can remember taking a bunch of, you know, samples, obviously stool samples and sending them, you yep. know, into the mail. <laughs> and he would say to me, who is looking at my poop? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. You're putting poop in a box. Um, in the mail. But, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's interesting because we, we did the whole Dan protocol. We did the hyperbaric chamber. We, we did all the stuff too. And, um, it's so interesting listening to the Dan physicians and, um, just the whole biomedical route of everything. And I, sure. I was all into it too. And I, I read all of that and I think it works wonders for some people. I think what was nice for me to get into all of that and the gluten-free diet and everything too was it gave me something that I could control in this whole autism. Oh, I could control it. <laughs> Let me little clarify, I guess. It felt like, you know, listen, I know what he's get, getting in his body, what he's putting in his body, because I'm controlling that. He's not getting any wheat. He's not getting any dairy. You know, he's taking all of these supplements that are good for him. They're vitamins. 
so surely this is going to make a huge impact. And just with us, it just didn't. But I know a lot of people who, you know, whether it's anecdotal or not, they, you know, swear uh, up and down that the diet made a huge impact with communication development and all those things. So I think it's great if it works for people and I'm always willing to try anything. Well, that's so. just it. I, I, I think when you are presented with um, some options that you can have um, involvement in, as opposed mm -hmm. to some of most of which we do, we do not, we, we are learning as we're doing, right? Sort of that you build the airplane as it's flying. Um, those interventions not only gave my husband and I something to kind of do, uh, it also gave us a, a larger community to be part of that we were all working towards whatever it was. And I know there's a lot of controversy about we have to fix these kids, you know, these kids. And it wasn't about fixing. It was really just about um, just creating a little little room, a little breathing room, a little peace in his body, um, you know, and at the same time, peace that, that we were doing something proactive. Uh, yeah. So I'm with mm -hmm. you on that. Has he been diagnosed with any um, gut issues or like Skylar has ulcerative colitis? Um, I know other families, their children have Crohn's or, or versions of GI disorders. Has anything ever come of, of that no. for Sean? Hopefully no. not. Yeah. No, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't had anything. Yeah. Well, that's good. Like that. With all those antibiotics, I would be worried. I, I agree. I, you know, and that's why I feel in a lot of ways you talk about, you know, inflammatory responses. I, I feel if anything, maybe the diet helped to, to quiet some of that down, allowed some, mm -hmm. an opportunity to repair. I, again, I don't know, but thank God. No, you're right. We, we don't have any of those, um, any of that diagnosis for the gut. So, you know, with regard to language, um, you said language was a little bit slow after a lot of the, um, just the illnesses and things that caused him to regress a little bit, but he, for the most part, did you say he's, he gained the majority of that back and it was more the cognitive, um, he didn't have the gross motor and a lot of the cognitive delays, um, throughout his, his, you know, upbringing and stuff or. So really for, for Sean, it was certainly the gross motor first, um, definitely the fine motor. Um, when I say cognitive, I'll be a little more specific. It was definitely a processing. Um, and, and likewise, there was a lot of, um, I guess, oh gosh, receptive language. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't have a lot of expressive language. And there was always kind of that two to three second delay where you know, you'd say something and you could see it, you could see it working. Um, and, and then, you know, struggling a little bit for, for language. And he had a, he had a stutter, which we thought was a stutter, um, when he was when he, quite young, but it really was a, an opportunity for him just trying to, to grab at, at, at the words that he did have. Mm -hmm. Um, so really throughout and really, persistently and now even as a young adult there is that that kind of two or three second delay where he's he's really working on uh understanding what you're saying so that he can he can respond so, so yeah was, yeah so was schooling for him then was he in you know traditional uh, age level classes with his peers um did he did he have an aid for a little bit of time or anything to help with the you know, retention and, um, you know, just the, the rapidness at which teachers are throwing things at you and, you know, keeping up with all of that. How, how did he do with school? 
Yeah, so Sean was in a public school setting. He was not in any gen ed classes other than for the, um, the specials, um, the electives. He, we, we, we knew that given that processing and that working memory component would be a, a struggle for him to be in a gen ed class, even with the best setup and program and aids. Um, so Sean received the majority of his education through exiting high school in a self-contained type classroom. Okay. Um, yeah, so he definitely had a lot of intensive, uh, very intensive language. Uh, gosh, he's had speech forever, OT forever. Um, and really, it was really just having teachers and smaller classroom settings where everything could be broken down to mm -hmm. smaller chunks um, because he eventually would get there um, it just, it just took a, a lot of time. So can yeah. you explain to, um, those that maybe aren't familiar? I was not when we talked before about, um, is it CDOS? Is that how yes. you say it yes. um, versus a high school diploma and what that program is and, and what, what the outcome of that is versus a diploma? Sure. So, um, a CDOS and forgive me, I don't re remember exactly what the letters stand for, but in essence, essentially it is a, a career and learning credential, a career and vocational credential, I should say. So they are very clear in New York state to differentiate the language instead of calling it a diploma, it is an exiting credential. Um, it is something that a, a high schooler, um, can use as an addition to their local diploma or their high school diploma, four-year diploma, or it can be a sole exiting credential. And that's that's what we decided um, for Sean, probably around mid, what would be considered his 10th, 11th grade, um, where we uh, Sean had to start preparing for the regents in, in different subject areas. And um, despite a lot of great support and him working his tail off and home life just absolutely crazy with index cards everywhere. Um, it was just not something that he, you know, was was able to to accomplish and I was happy he gave it a shot, but I could see that life for him for those next five to six years till he's 21 would have been really, really um, intense. Um, and that's not the life that we wanted for him. So we were, I feel very fortunate that we were able to have an option, a vocational option for him. And it really had to do with a lot of um, self-exploration of interests and skills. I had a lot to do with career exploration. Um, and then up through uh, sort of, again, what we considered his senior and senior plus year um, was when he would start to go out to different um, you know, work sites and, and learn really what work is and what it means to be an employee and, and have a supervisor. And so um, the CDOS basically captures all of those learning standards, how to, you know, they call it an employability profile and you have a career plan. And it's very, um, for me, very person-centered, which I, I think is an important thing to talk about with our guys. Um, and, uh, because it was very meaningful to us, not just this, the paper itself, but what that meant after we left high school. Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about like vocational skills and training and career training and things like that, I know, again, from talking to other parents who have 18 and, and older uh, children, they run into a lot of trouble with 
the training is great in some places, sometimes it's not, but the, um, but then it's, you're left with nothing. Like they don't necessarily, they're not looked at for jobs of interest to them. The jobs that they're offered are things that, you know, they wouldn't want to do ordinarily. Um, and they're not happy with it. And even if they can get those things, a lot of people have said that they finished these trainings and these career plans. And then it's just, like I said, just kind of dropped. So did you experience any of that um, and, and not many job opportunities for Sean after that was completed? Absolutely. In fact, when we, I, we waited a, a little bit of time before we got heavily involved with uh, adult services. They were, um, the agency in, in New York is called Access. I don't know if it's the same across the, the country, but um, we waited for a little bit before getting involved um, because we wanted to just take a breath. And I, I, I think one of the things, if I knew again, you know, then what I know now um, is just to understand that after all of that time in an academic setting, when you're constantly on the go, there has to be a little period, at least for us, where we, everybody can kind of take a breath and just say, okay, what do we want to have happen next? Now, understandably, there, there are certain deadlines and you know, things that you have to enroll, enroll your, your young person in. I, and I understand that, but um, for us, it was very much more of, you know, what do we want his day to look like next? Because mm -hmm. I, I think parents may be under the impression that, you know, your young person is involved, you know, in a nine to three kind of day, maybe with some after school activities. Um, and it can feel very jarring when your young adult is sort of hanging around the house a little bit more than you're used to. Yeah. Um, and that is a, that is a period of grace that everybody I think needs to have because it's not going to look like the past 12 years that you just went through. It's going to look a little different and work is as a, can be as big or small a part of that. Um, depending on your family circumstance and your young person and what they might, you know, may or may not want to do. So I've, unfortunately, I've lost your original question, but the, the point uh, the point I'm trying to make is that for us, after we left, we took a little bit of a breather. Um, we were very fortunate to have um, a vocational, uh, uh, I guess, counselor supporter that um, we did something called a person-centered plan. And through that conversation really came a, a need that Sean wanted to have something in that movie poster, movie related uh, business. And so when we took that information to adult services, to our access counselor, we were told you can't really be a job snob and you should, and I, yeah, and I, I you know, you should, you should be taking what is offered to you. And, you know, I remember looking at Sean saying, no, we don't actually have to do that. Um, so, you know, luckily enough for us that Sean had an interest area that we could explore a little bit, which, mm -hmm. you know, we'll talk a little bit more about, but um, it feels very scary to, to have to go through all of that training and then be told you can only take what is available when right. every other young adult can absolutely pick and choose a job that they want um, yeah. and a job that they're interested in. And um, it, uh, yeah, again, understanding that work will be a small 
piece of your young adult stay, but there are volunteer opportunities and there are social things and there are downtime that is okay to have. And it's again, giving the family grace to say, it's okay to have a little downtime. Yeah, I mean, they're not used to having an eight to five, five days a week. And most of us don't want to do that anyway yes. either when we graduate from college or whatever. Exactly. So, I mean, even if it's just a couple hours, you know, a couple days a week, just to kind of get them started, like this is what you do and this is a paycheck. And this is because a lot of um, young adults uh, from the people that I've spoken with um, don't really have much of an, a concept uh, of money and getting a paycheck and what that does. And so, you know, they just are doing it more for the enjoyment of doing something that they, that they like spending their time doing, which Absolutely. brings me to your, your mention of the movie posters. Um, I love the story of how that came to be and how you recognize that he loved movie posters and the whole idea of that from like the ski lodge or something. So can you kind of share a little bit of that? Sure, sure. So um, the ski lodge story was is actually a very interesting story. If I could, I'll just take a quick sidestep. Um, yeah, sure. it, goes, it definitely goes with what we were talking about being a job snob. Um, I had a mom who I was uh, just helping a little bit fill out some transition paperwork and her young adult who was 16 at the time. Uh, one of the things that he loved to do was ski. And, um, you know, as we're filling out the paperwork of what she sees for him in the future, she said to me, do you think I should put down that he likes skiing? She said, I can't imagine him ever getting a job really at a ski, ski lodge. Is it worth letting the team know that he likes skiing? And I said, you absolutely need to put that down because there are a bunch of things someone can do that is related to skiing. In fact, you could start off maybe even small working at a ski store, right? A, a, a retail location where your young adult can be surrounded by the things that they know and love. And that's a one way to sort of leverage, you know, an interest area. So um, I just, yeah, that sort of was the ski lodge story. It was just encouraging her to, to take something that um, is already showing as an interest and figuring out, well, it doesn't have to be the exact, you don't have to be a skier, you don't have to be a ski instructor, but we could certainly find something that's related, which kind of is the approach I took with Sean. I knew very early on that Sean was, you know, the big movie buff, um, music, movies, anything that was like sort of visual and musical, he just lights up. And it wasn't really until um, maybe he was 17 that we started talking about collecting movie posters and, you know, just on a whim, took a couple of bucks and went on a website and, and bought some posters and we framed them real inexpensively at Michael's. And I said, let's put up a table at the street fair in town and you know, see what we can sell. And he kind of begrudgingly did it. Um, he's got a little social anxiety, you know, stranger danger, um, but he, he went along with it. And what was so perfect, could not have been planned better as we were <laughs> setting up our table, a uh, gentleman, you know, came by and like off the top um, bought three of the Star Wars posters that we had, you know, big ones that we had displayed. And he had, he had shown a hundred dollar bill to make change. And Sean is looking at this bill saying, oh my gosh, this works like this. I, I have, you know, holding up the bill. I have a hundred dollars. I said, Sean, we don't have a hundred dollars. We have to give him change. But yes, you have a hundred dollar bill. Um, that little moment was such I couldn't have planned it better. And, and you can't plan these things. You just have to put yourself in these opportunity, opportunity spaces. Um, but it was such a perfect way for him to say, 
wow, here's something I love and I can talk about. And there was a way to make a little bit of money. Can the movie poster business support all of his you know, lifestyle needs? Probably not, um, but it's something that he enjoys doing. And that in the end is really what I want him to get out of being employed is to get a little enjoyment, whether it's your paycheck, whether it's the people you're working with or it's the thing you're doing um, to be, have a little, little joy in where it is that you're spending your time. So um, yeah, we, we started, uh, we called it, well, he calls it Decades Collectibles. That's the name of his uh, movie poster business. Hopefully we're trying to add a couple of what he calls vintage items from the eighties. Now oh, I've gosh, <laughs> don't say vintage. That's what like, I said. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> He's calling them vintage items from the eighties. You know, of course we, right. We grew up in the eighties, but we're mm -hmm. vintage. Um, so yeah, so he, he, does he get the full impact of what it means to be a business owner and running, you know, I think we're getting there, but I think he likes the fact that he has a say so in what, uh, where he gets to spend his time and what he gets yeah. to do. And, and that makes me feel really happy. Well, and it's so nice because I mean, it's no fault of anyone's, but the majority of their life growing up, they're told, you know, you have therapy now and now we have to go here and we have to do this. And we kind of dictate everything. We drag them around and yeah. do all these therapies and meals and whatever we tell them, which end is up all the time. And so sure. it's nice that he has some, you know, authority in what, what happens and what he sells. And I'm sure he picks the posters himself that he wants to, to sell and to frame. He does. We have to, I, we're working on that. We're working, letting that go a little bit because it tends to be very, um, uh, it's a lot of uh, uh, Marvel and DC mm -hmm. comics and a lot of darker kind of shoot 'em up kind of zombie, uh, you know, inventory. So we're, now that we are presenting our posters in a, in a larger venue, we have to mix it up a little bit. So I, we're yeah. working on, yeah, working on that. <laughs> and teaching them inventory, right? Like you don't yes. want to go crazy with too much that you have to sit on for a long time. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Um, exactly. Well, um, I want to talk about your store in a minute, um, but sure. I, I want to kind of head back towards the direction of um, the relationships with, with his brothers. Sure. And um, since they were so close in age and all boys. <laughs> You're the like third person I think I've talked to recently with all sons. One yeah. one guest I just had on had four sons, all close in age. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> it seems like a loud, loud house, a lot going on. <laughs> but a lot of um, a lot of energy, yes. Yeah, I can imagine. So with Nicholas being older and Christian being younger than Sean, is there a different dynamic with each of them with him? Do they have a different relationship with him that's special to each of them they do and and they did growing up very much so so my eldest was always very much uh, the nurturer so um i i can't say as a as a young person that he had patience but he had patience enough to to explain whether they're putting together a lego or if they were playing a video game or even just you know being outside i think Nicholas always had a very uh, calming effect uh, with Sean and very almost not regimented, but definitely there was a method to doing things. And I don't know if that's a, you know, an older child, I'm sorry, eldest child sort of uh, personality, but that's 
that's the approach that Nicholas took where Christian was the polar opposite um, <laughs> and actually took me a very long time to accept what he was offering his brother because Christian was very much the encourager um, and very much the um, like, I'm not taking, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take when you're complaining and babbling and, and, you know, not listening. And I want, I want you to do better. I want you to be better as best you can. So he was always very much the pusher and the encourager. And, and still to this day, um, you know, we'll say to him, I know you can do that. I'm not going to do that for you because I know you can. And really when, when um, they were both in middle school, cause they're 11 months apart, but they happened mm -hmm. to be in, in um, Christian's a grade was a grade younger. I would say to Christian, you know, gosh, you're really hard on him. I, I, I wish you would understand that, you know, that he has autism and that, you know, there are things that he can and might not be able to do. He said, no, he said, mom, he's like, I want him to hear it from somebody who loves him. Sorry. Uh, I know it's going to make you emotional. No, I know our kids, the empathy that they have is unlike anything I have ever seen. I exactly. mean, truly. He's like, I love him and I want him to hear it from me so that he's ready when he goes out there. And I thought, okay, you're right. I will, I said, just be a little, a little, a little <laughs> calmer. A little more patient. <laughs> a little more patient. I mean, well, you the, know, the, Sean feels it too. I mean, he course. knows that his brothers love him and want everything for him and the best for him. Now, are they close um, in um, geographical proximity to him now right. or to you guys? So my eldest is, is, doesn't live uh, home. He's not been home, gosh, since, since college. He, he graduated and then went traveling for a little bit and now oh, is cool. in grad, grad school. So he's, he's not home a whole lot. Um, Christian has been a little more of a, I would say homebody, but he's definitely uh, home and, and, and gets to be with Sean a lot more. And I was just saying the other day on New Year's, I don't know what they were doing. They were wrestling. And I thought, oh my gosh, you guys are gonna be 40. And like, like tumbleweed, you know, around the house, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't end, but um, they have a very cute relationship, uh, relationship, the two of them. So it's been nice to, to witness that. I love that. You know, I think I worry, it's a little different with a daughter and a son. Um, and my daughter's like Christian, she's the younger one. Um, when she goes off to college and then after that starts her life and, you know, moves away or does whatever she does it makes me a little sad that he'll be stuck here with his two parents, <laughs> you yeah. know, like I won't be wrestling with him. Well, maybe I will be, I don't know, but um, you know, I'd love, I would love for her to come back more often and maybe she will. I mean, she's yeah. only 15, so it's hard to yeah. predict the future. There's time. And I, I think for sure what they learn out, you know, out there that they, they have um, an ability to come back and sort of bring a little bit of that, that in as well. And that's how your son and my son's world will grow as well. You know, right now, my, my youngest does have a girl he's seeing and she's become part of now the fabric of, of the, of the home. And um, that's been a very interesting experience to witness as well. So I, I, I think again, that they are, the siblings have to go out and, and do what they're doing, but um, they, they do come back. They do come back. <laughs> they don't leave us. For, they don't leave me. us. I think no. I'm just selfish. Like I want no, her to come not. back for me. <laughs> no, you're not. And I think it's a very real thing. And I think knowing that that is going to be a, a feeling that you will have to, to manage you, you, it just like we do everything else. It's, but it's very natural and very normal to, to feel that way. 
I wonder if they, I don't know if Christian ever told you this, but I wonder if what they tell their um, significant others that they're dating or whatever about their autistic siblings, like, okay, be prepared. Like my daughter may say, you know, even though you're a guy, he may still pull your hair. He may hit you. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, they haven't experienced that yet, but that's a great question. I, uh, my experience so far has been very interesting where before we, we, you know, met her, um, you know, Christian did share that he was seeing somebody that she'd be coming. And Sean said to his brother, do you think you should tell her that I have autism? Aww. Yeah. He said, do you think she, she, she should know? And, and he said, I want you to know that I will never let anybody come into this house who makes you feel less. Yep. So you don't have to worry about what we call it, what you say, that's up to you. Um, but this is going to be a kind person. And I would, you know, I, I will never bring anybody into the home that would make you feel less. So I thought, okay, they, so they might not always say it, but they're watching and listening and they oh, know, yeah. they know what to say and they know what to do. They yep. do. I'm learning that slowly yeah. but surely with Skylar and his spelling. And he knows yes. more than I even thought he did. So yeah, see, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yes. Um, so then, you know, I guess jumping back ahead where we were, um, about businesses and, and vocation and working, um, I just am so in love with your idea of, you know, if he can't find something to do that makes him happy that we all agree with, I'm just going to create it myself. So <laughs> how did you kind of come up with that plan? You and your husband, I'm sure had many conversations about what to do and, and then, um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the business that you have. Sure. Unfortunately for my husband, there were two conversations for him. He's, <laughs> he's with me long enough that he knows that when I come and knock on the door and I'm like, I have, I'll just say, oh, I have an idea. And he's like, what are we doing now? God love him. Which is so, it going to cost me? <laughs> pretty much. Where are we going? What are we doing? Um, so, so yeah, so we had this movie poster business and we, um, we're doing a bunch of street fairs and it was fine. It was great. We were filling, you know, filling the day and, um, and we happened to uh, make friends with a, a local framer. And he said, you know, please give me those posters. I'd love to be able to professionally frame them for you uh, at, at, a, at a good reasonable cost. And so we were so excited because now that means we could take our posters to the next level. And we had, um, booked about three or four Comic-Cons uh, just on the East Coast uh, for 2020. Um, I think the first one would have been in April, March or April. And of course, yeah, history, you know, what happened then. And <laughs> yep. so, you know, we were stuck kind of with all of these beautifully framed posters without any place to, to showcase them. And Sean, I remember having a conversation with Sean sort of end of the spring, beginning of the summer. And he was saying, this is horrible. And, and you know, they can't tell us what to do. And, and you know, not quite understanding, just knowing he could not go out to the movie theater, but didn't quite understand the, really the expanse of it. And he said, we should just own our own store and, and sell our posters there. And, you know, we should find other people and sell their things too. And I thought, I, that's really crazy. Uh, but, you know, the more crazy I thought it was, the more believable it became. And I happened to just be driving around our, our area and saw, unfortunately, um, a lot of shops who, you know, were, were vacated. And um, 
called up a number one day and she said, hey, would you give us a shot? We have this idea to sell our, our posters and to sell other items made by what we're calling extraordinary entrepreneurs. And um, the silver lining, you know, in the middle of the pandemic is that lease, lease agreements were very doable from a financial standpoint um, that my husband and I were able to, to sign a lease for two years. So um, I started investigating other entrepreneurs and um, I think Autism Speaks maintains a database of businesses that are run by or employ uh, young adults with different abilities. And then likewise, I was able to get connected within the Down syndrome community mm -hmm. and they maintain a, a similar database. And so we were hoping for about 10 or 12 uh, businesses to have in the gift shop and we have about 20. Um, which just really just, ah, oh, so, cool. so excited. Um, yeah. I think I had shared with you in a previous conversation, I started my business notebook like August 13th <laughs> and by October 31st, we had the shop filled and open for our grand opening. And it's just been the coolest thing to see it evolve, to see Sean, you know, be a spokesperson, uh, to have all of these incredible products and incredible stories behind the products. And then on the, the bonus and unintended bonus really is all the people that are coming in to share their stories of either a sibling, a child, a grandchild, a neighbor, um, of someone uh, that they know that has a different ability and just having that hope and, and um, just amazement of the potential uh, that we're, that, you know, all, that anybody really, but that particularly our young adults can 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 show that they have. So we've been really excited. I love that you two are doing it together too. And that, you know, so do you both work the store at the same time? Are you always there together? Um, right. So we're open just four days right now. We're open Thursday uh -huh. to, through Sunday. Sean um, can basically do two days. Uh, we're still working through a little, some of the kinks of a longer day versus a shorter day or, yeah. you know, maybe a couple of short days in a row. So he's there generally Thursdays and Saturdays. Um, what's really nice is he's also been able to take a lot of uh, online continuing ed classes. They're not for credit, they're not through a college, but they're just fun classes that he enjoys taking. And so that's why I said, you know, mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is to, for anyone who has uh, a middle school, high schooler, and, you know, looking a couple of steps ahead is to understand that their day will be filled with a, a bunch of little things mm -hmm. um, and not, you know, not just one thing necessarily. So he's, um, yeah, he's, he's with me a couple of days a week, but he's, he greets the customers where he's, he does all the inventory, the stocking, uh, he's been able to work the register. Uh, we're working on his approach with the customers. To, <laughs> <laughs> to not, you know, if somebody's taking a little time, you know, looking at something, he'll say, all right, do you like it? Are you going to buy it? You know, so, <laughs> so we're working on, on that. Um, I love that though. I yeah. mean, I just, I love the honesty and the, <laughs> yes. I mean, we all would probably want to say things like that and we just probably can't get away with it. So. Exactly. Like, are you going to buy this? Are you buying this or not? <laughs> um, um, I know you mentioned um, one of the products I've heard of, and I just am blanking on the name, it's the socks um, sure. by the, the young man and his dad that yeah. um, they developed. What is, what is that one called? So it's John's Crazy Socks. And right. John and his, his dad, Mark, have a warehouse on Long Island. And um, 
they are just they're celebrities to us uh they're friends they are uh, they've been so so helpful in getting the word out for our gift shop uh, we're so lucky to be able to offer a couple of their uh, awareness lines of socks and um yeah they're just gosh they've been to the store a couple of times uh you know to help us spread the word so we're really really very lucky to 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 call home uh near near where they they uh they have their facility well and i should mention the name of your store is one oh. for all gifts which yes. is awesome i love that title yes. um that name of the store and it's in new york where exactly is your storefront sure so it's on long island on the north fork of long island in a town called southhold and okay. it's in a beautiful little shopping plaza um and so we're yeah we're very lucky to be there and is your future plan to um have the store have a website and, and have the products available online down the road? Down the road, yes, right. So we do have a website if anybody wants to check it out at oneforallgifts.com. Uh, it's mostly our story. Uh, there's a photo gallery. Uh, we were able to offer virtual shopping uh, over the holidays and that's something via a Zoom link that uh, Sean and I would take uh, you know, a customer around the store visually. Yep, yeah. and then they got to sort of shop and then we would ship everything to them. It's something that a lot of people who want to support us have asked if we could create. So I, I'm hoping to offer that maybe, you know, come the, the end of the spring um, so that people can have access to a lot of these wonderful gifts and items. Yeah, and what other types of um, goods do you have in the store? I know oh, we have the crazy socks, which are so cute. Socks. I have several myself. <laughs> yeah, good. We have the crazy socks, of course, Sean's posters. We have everything from jewelry to candles to bow ties to journals to candles to art, um, granola and chocolate and coffee. Oh, just wow. A little okay. bit about soap uh, books. I, I we're um, just about to secure another author who uh, has written a beautiful book about her daughter. Um, and we've just secured another a greeting card uh, young man who does graphic design. So I have about four or five, which I can't give away just yet, but about four yep. or five other um, businesses that I'm hoping, hoping uh, to, oh, to get into the store with us. Um, but yeah, it's a very eclectic mix, very giftable items, um, very reasonably priced as well. And um, yeah, the, the way to see the shop, I, I, you know, right now is through the tab on the website called the photo gallery. So you can kind of get a feel for how the shop looks. And there's a couple of photos of Sean and I uh, on there together. I love it. I think that's so great. It's not only giving your family, um, you know, something for Sean to, to feel good about and to be employed and all of that, but so many of these other families with kids, I keep saying kids, but young adults that I, have these creative outlets and they're making products that they are passionate about and they're, they're selling them to you and they're, you know, ending up with a job as well. It's, it's kind of employing a whole bunch of people by just opening the store for for Sean and for yourself. So that's it's right. so great. I love when Thank things you. are full circle like that. And that <laughs> and that so was sense. That's really the the reason behind why we called it one for all. And Sean was the one who who really came up with that is just that we we do have to stick together and we can support each other. And there are uh things that you know are are really, really um, amazing to celebrate and we're hoping that that's what the, the store uh really is. Uh, both for the, the, the uh, products themselves and the people behind that, as well as the people that are, are purchasing and supporting us. 
Well, I always um, kind of like to wrap up um, our conversations with my guests um, asking about just all that you've learned in the almost 23 years that you've been Sean's mom. And, um, <laughs> you know, if you could kind of go back um, to your younger self or to any parents that are kind of just getting started on their journey, or like you've mentioned before that have maybe middle school age kids on the spectrum, is there anything you would suggest that they do or give some advice to your younger self or to them um, just about the future and planning for those post 21, 22 age years, because it's a whole new ball game as it I'm learning. <laughs> yes, it is a new ball game. So I, I guess I'll just, I'll re repeat certainly what, um, what I'd said in the beginning and is that is to definitely give yourself and your young person a little breathing room and a, and a lot of grace just to sort of, um, it's okay to take a breath. It's okay if you're not running a hundred you know, miles a, an hour, a minute, whatever, um, you know, after, you know, the last day of school. Um, but I would think as your pers young person is sort of developing and growing and they're in this academic environment is every opportunity you can to take a step back and see the clues that they are showing you in terms of an area of interest. Um, and, and from a macro level, right? So, um, you know, a lot of uh, my friends' sons play video games. Uh, they're always on the video game. It's, it's sort of like an obsession, but the, the interesting thing as a parent is watching what your young person gravitates towards. So if it's a video game, well, what about the video game? Is it the costume? Is it the strategy? Is it the, the gameplay? Is, it, is there something there that can be leveraged and capitalized on? Um, for something for the future, whether it is a job, you know, self-employed job or a job in a larger, uh, larger sort of company. So the advice I would give to myself and, and, and to another parent starting out is really pay attention to those clues. Where does your child light up? What are they doing? Who is around? Um, what are the things that they are insisting that they want to be part of? And then taking that info and take a step back and say, how can I leverage that? to be something more meaningful for when they, when they are done with school. I love that. That's such great advice. Um, okay. <laughs> I know that there are so many kids that are obsessed with music or even, you know, Elmo for years and years and years. And it's something about the, the lighting and the, and the music and the costumes and all of those things, like you said, that they're into, maybe it's theater, maybe it's, you know, something that you haven't even thought of. That's and right. I'm guilty of, of saying, a lot of times and I, and I shouldn't like, well, I, I don't think he would like that or, or whatever our speech, um, our, our spelling to communicate therapist just mentioned to me the other day, have you tried podcasts with Skylar? Have you just played them when, you know, you guys are sitting down or you're in the car or whatever, instead of music, even though he loves music, but just to see, um, what, what he would do. And if he likes that or audiobooks, and I'm like, I never even thought about that, but now knowing that he knows what's happening with the election and what he, well, you know, all the things that are happening in, in the world, I, I'd be crazy not to introduce him to more of those things. Exactly. Because I think he maybe watches Elmo because he thinks we like it. <laughs> maybe he doesn't like it anymore. <laughs> right. So. It's, and it's, but you, you, you said something so, so perfect, um, is that you are, open to another individual in your circle of support who is saying, hey, I'm noticing this thing. Let's, tr let's try to add a couple more uh, avenues, uh, you know, of, of, for them to explore. Um, and I think 
as a parent, if, if there is a video game that your child is like, let's say interested in, sit down with them, ask why do they like that video game? Can they sketch it for you? Is it the music? Oh, here's another genre of music that is kind of related to the video game. Or did you know there's a book about, and all of a sudden now you're starting to layer in um, and sort of spin up that spark that's already there um, for them to, to pursue. Um, one of the things, uh, you know, I realized very, very early with Sean is he loved Tim Burton. I, you know, and in my mind, I'm like, how could I ever meet Tim Burton, right? There's, it would be impossible to meet Tim Burton. But um, I, we, through just exploration and, and, and asking questions, um, oh, sorry if I lost you, sorry about that. Um, actually were able to meet a, a young person, a young man really, who had his, a whole genre of Tim Burton items that Sean got to volunteer to help set up, you know, his store. And so it's looking for the people as well, like you're, you're saying, your 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 speech person, um, to give you these little indicators to say, I never thought of that. Let me go investigate that. Um, and it's a lot of those, right? It's going to be a lot of, of those trial and errors until you'll see something that's going to just click. And it does. And it might even be something um, that, you know, we're, we currently are unable to do, but for all the parents whose kids really love their um, YouTube or they love um, just their iPad and they're playing little games on their iPad, maybe sit down next to them and ask them to teach you um, like what they like about the game or show me, show me how to play. I want to play. It's just another opportunity for you to bond with them. That's not therapy. That's not yes. something that has to do with autism all the time because they're Agreed. probably sick of it too. So okay. uh, yes, agreed. I love that you just said that. I think that Laurie, that is such an important thing, um, especially if there are lots of things that you know there your child's unable to do with you. It's probably really easy for you for us to be able to to do things with them. I can't tell you how many anime shows I've watched. <laughs> How many, how many zombie movies I've watched, you know, that's not my, my, you know, my first thing, but <laughs> there's just something about it that we can connect with. And I ask questions and, and he just is so happy to share. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause they know a lot about a lot of things that we, do. you know, we don't. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's just meeting them where they are. Right. That's kind of the, Agreed. the summary of the whole thing. Agreed. <laughs> just meet them where they're at. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad that Amy introduced us and um, I would love to visit your store when I'm in New York sometime. I'm there a lot for work, so oh, I'll have to look it up and pop in and surprise you guys. But, uh, but so yeah, great. just um, let me know. I will link up your website to the store. Again, it's called One for All Gifts and the other ways that um, people can contact you. If someone has um, a young adult that, that does a creative Pro, uh, product or something like that, should they just reach out to you and then you can kind of let them know when the time frame might be that you're accepting more um, product for the store? Absolutely. In fact, uh, email would be the best way, which you can access through the website. Uh, okay. I, another thing for 2021, I know we're a little short on time now, but another thing for 2021 is I'm trying to establish a partnership with uh, an entrepreneurship educational platform. Um, so that there, if there are young adults with an idea or a, a product um, that they can go through sort of a, a, a very mini curriculum on how to actually get that into, into the marketplace. Um, and so I'm hoping to be able to offer a little bit more of that kind of guidance. But in the meantime, you can absolutely reach me via email and I'm, I'm happy to, to 
show you what I know and, and, and give you a couple of links um, to help start the process. Great. Well, thank you so much for the conversation today and for everything that I've learned. Awesome. <laughs> I always learn something. I appreciate it. <laughs> exactly. You're so welcome. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, you too, Lori. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.